This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. All right, so we're going to be looking this morning at Matthew 24, verses 40 through 42 right now. A lot of scripture, and I want you to stay with us, and I want you to take notes as many as you can, and I pray to God that I'll be able to give this particular subject justice for you today. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse number 40. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. The rapture is the next prophetic event on God's calendar. Without a doubt, we're living in the closing chapter of this day of grace. The rapture, it involves people who are saved. The rapture, when it takes place, it's not going to include lost people. Now, lost people will be affected, but lost people will not be raptured from this earth when the trumpet sounds. And so the rapture, the message of that relates to people who are believers, those who are saved. And here's what I want you to understand about the rapture. When the rapture takes place, it's going to include a supernatural, simultaneously evacuation of everyone that has called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be their personal Savior. And those particular ones, those who have been blood-washed, redeemed, will be taken out of this world when the Lord Jesus returns. But I want you to understand something, that today's message does not talk about or is not dealing with the people who will be raptured. Now, this is a most interesting subject. The message today is talking about the people who will be left behind when the rapture takes place. And by the way, this is, the I believe, the worst thing that anybody could ever find themselves in the worst position that everybody without Christ could find themselves in. I mean, to, to miss the rapture or to be left behind. I want you to notice this scripture again. I've already given it to you in Matthew chapter 24, but I want you to look at verse number 41 with me because I want you to underline two particular words in this passage. In Matthew 24, verse number 41, the Bible says, two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken. I want you to underline the word taken. And the other left. Now, just for a moment, I want to focus on the word taken. That has a positive element to it. And I'd like for you to notice very carefully that the Bible points out in this particular passage that we're reading a division of humanity in these verses. And please make no mistake about it. When the Lord Jesus returns in the rapture, the next thing that's going to happen on God's prophetic calendar, the word of God is saying that some people will be taken and some people will be left. This particular subject today, I've already mentioned a little bit about it and I want you to follow along with me. Because the rapture takes place in the twinkling of an eye. It includes every single believer. I'm so thankful this morning that I have the assurance as a believer, as a Christian, 
as one who has experienced the new birth that's been redeemed, I'm so glad that I have the assurance in God's word that when the rapture takes place, I will be included in the group of people that will be taken. Now, how can I be sure of that? And let me ask you the question. If you say, yes, pastor, amen, I'm going to be part of that crowd. When the rapture takes place, I'm going to be part of the ones that's evacuated from this earth as well. Well, let me ask you, how do you know that for sure? Let me give you a couple of scriptures for you to think about real quickly here. Romans 10, 13. How can we be sure that we're going to be raptured when Jesus returns and we meet him in the air? Well, if you look at Romans 10, 13, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I remember the day I did that. Let me ask you this question. Can you honestly say that, yes, you remember the day? Now, you may not remember the specific date or you may not remember the specific time, but friend, you have to have an awareness. You have to have an assurance that there was a time in your life, and not just because your mother said you did it when you were 12, but there has to be a time in your life when you remember, clearly remember, that yes, you did exactly this. You called upon the name of the Lord. The word says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so the question is this, can you remember the day? Can you remember when you gave your heart to Christ? Being saved, listen now, it gives us a surety and it gives us a security that when the trumpet sounds, we're going to be in that group of people who, yes, will indeed be taken out in the twinkling of an eye. But that's not the case if you have been left behind. I asked you just a moment ago to underline that word taken in your Bible. And I want you to look at Matthew 24, verse 41 again. One shall be taken and the other left. Now, I want you to underline that word left. It's the second word we notice in these scriptures, and this word has a very negative tone to it. The word left implies being abandoned, being forsaken. And by the way, if you find yourself abandoned and forsaken when the rapture takes place, I assure you that it's going to be a most serious situation. Jesus himself gives us a perfect picture of an idea of what's going to happen immediately following the rapture. In Matthew 24, verse 21, look at this passage of scripture. The Bible says, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. So please listen carefully. When Jesus returns and we meet him in the air, those who are left behind are going to have to enter into what the Bible describes to be a seven-year tribulation period. That period of time is described in the Old Testament in a variety of ways. I want to give you four key scriptures in the Old Testament pertaining to this time of tribulation. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 27 the Bible says, and he, and that's talking about the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. That's talking about offering sacrifices in the temple. 
and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Now, this is what the Bible calls the abomination of desolation. Even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. Now, remember, we are talking about the tribulation right here. Let me give you three other scriptures. Daniel chapter 12 and verse number one. And this also is a description of this seven-year tribulation period. The Bible says, and at that time, Michael shall, shall Michael stand the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble. Maybe you want to underline those three words, time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Now, this is talking about the tribulation time. Now, also look at Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the Bible says, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. And let me give you one other scripture pertaining to the seven years of tribulation from the Old Testament. Zephaniah, that's a book that you seldom frequent. I realize that. But take just a few moments to try to find it as quick as you can. Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse number 18. The Bible says, Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy radiance. Now, if you want to underline that word, some of you may have already from a sermon of yesteryears pertaining to this subject, you put this meaning there in your Bible. I want to give you an opportunity to do that again today. And that word means the removal of something that's unwanted. Make even a speedy radiance of all them that dwell in the land. So God's wrath on this world and on the people that are left behind will be coming immediately following the rapture. And it will be unmerciful to anyone that has ever rejected the gospel. Please let me be clear with that and please understand that. Those of you that are watching today, do you remember a time that you were saved? If not, this is a most important message for you. Pay very close attention. Those who are left behind following the rapture will go through a seven-year, horrific seven-year period of time. Catastrophic things are going to happen in that particular time period. And you can find those particular things mentioned in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. All sorts of things will be going on from the political arena, from the arena of economics and spiritual blindness as well. It's a period of time that you certainly do not want to find yourself left behind. Now, please listen carefully, and this is very important. The book of Revelation makes clear to the reference of those who are left behind as them that dwell on the earth. Let me say that one more time, and I hope that you get this. The book of Revelation makes a clear reference to those that are left behind after the rapture as them that dwell on the earth. And I'm going to give you the scripture in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. 
the word says this, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. That's talking about the tribulation, which shall come upon all the world, look at this, to try them that dwell upon the earth. So let me teach you something this morning. Pay attention. Them that dwell on the earth, that phrase, that term, them that dwell on the earth is never a reference to God's people. These are people who did not receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And let me tell you, there are millions of people on the earth right now who are in that category, who still have not received him as their savior. They're lost and they're not only headed for the tribulation, but according to the word of God, they're headed for hell as well. Now the question is this, when Jesus comes in the rapture, will the people that dwell on the earth, and we've just given you that scripture, those who are left behind Will they have a second chance to be saved? I hope you're following along with this in your outline and as well as the scripture today. Will they be able to acknowledge their mistake and find a merciful and compassionate God that reaches out to them in the seven years of tribulation? Well, the answer is found in another book and chapter, and I want you to turn quickly with me to Second Thessalonians. I want you to see this, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3. And we're going to break this chapter down step by step, so prayerfully it will be a clear presentation to you. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. Look carefully. This is not, this is not a categorization. This is an explanation of who this is going to be. That man of sin, the son of perdition. Now, first of all, let me explain something to you. These people in Thessalonica they had received a very disturbing message. They were, they were early Christians. They were new Christians. And some people, false teachers, had crept into the church, the young church that was being birthed out of Jerusalem and making its way through various places where the Apostle Paul had established other congregations, Church of Corinth, Galatia, Thessalonica. And some false teachers had crept into the church and they were teaching that the rapture had already taken place. And to be a new Christian and to hear that, it created an enormous amount of fear within them. And so these new converts were very scared 
about the thought that they were living during the tribulation period. That was their fear. They thought they had missed the rapture. They thought now that they were living in the seven years of tribulation. So Paul begins to help them understand that the rapture had not happened at that point. And even, I believe, people today are confused about it. And here's the thing. You, you, can take, you can take this Bible and you can come up with all kinds of ideas. And by the way, not your idea is the only one. You have to remember that. You have to study to show yourself approved. You have to rightly divide the scriptures. There are people that can take this Bible that I'm preaching out of today and the one you have in your lap, they can take this Bible and they can try to prove a point why they are pre-tribulationalist. They can take the same Bible and build a conviction upon it why they are mid-tribulationalist. And then there are those who can take the Bible, this very Bible, and declare why they are post-tribulationalist. But I want to give you some true realities here this morning. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, the Bible says that right before the rapture, there's going to be a great falling away. And we talked about that in one of our messages in this series how that not only apostasy is running rampant in the world today, but how apostasy is also running rampant in the church as well. And that means this, that the majority of the religious world today, they openly reject the word of God. They openly reject the plan of salvation. That's going on in churches today as well. Now, I want you to notice something else here. Not only is there going to be a great falling away right before the rapture, but immediately following the rapture, there is going to be the appearance of the son of perdition, the son, the man, the lawless one of sin, the Antichrist. And so what Paul was trying to emphasize to these early converts is that the rapture certainly hasn't taken place yet and that the man of sin, the son of perdition, the lawless one, he's not been revealed yet. And so he had to come with some peace and assurance, and uh, he had to comfort their hearts. So here's something really incredibly important. The rapture and the revealing of the Antichrist immediately begins the seven years of tribulation. And by the way, let me say this, that neither one of those two things has taken place yet. The rapture has not taken place yet and the revealing of the Antichrist has not taken place yet. So that gives you the blessed assurance to know that we're not in the tribulation because the rapture hasn't taken place and immediately after it does, that's when the Antichrist is revealed. Now I want you to see something else here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 again. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, the son of perdition means the son of ruin or the son of damnation. It's talking about the Antichrist. And the apostle Paul describes him again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. Notice his description who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, 
showing himself that he is God. Now, that's another thing that has to happen immediately, either prior to the rapture or immediately following the rapture. And I'm talking about immediately because there has to be a third temple built. And I have another sermon on that altogether. Will there be a third temple built in Jerusalem? Yes, there will be. And this scripture here is one of the scriptures that clearly identifies that because the word of God says this, that the Antichrist is going to set himself up in the temple as if he were God. Now, he couldn't do that if there was not a temple. So the temple will be rebuilt immediately before the rapture or immediately right after. And I'm really talking about literally immediately before or after. Now, again, I want you to see something in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And then that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, let me give you a recap real quickly here. When the rapture takes place, the man of sin, the son of perdition, is going to be revealed, the Antichrist. When he comes in, he's going to offer a false three and a half years, a period of time where the world thinks that it's a utopia of peace. He comes in as a peacemaker for the first three and a half years. As the temple has been just newly built and, and refinished, the Antichrist will also allow the Jewish people to not only construct that temple, but he's going to allow them to offer sacrifices in that temple just like they did in the days of old. But at the end of the three and a half years of peace, the Antichrist is going to take a seat in the temple. He is going to force all the Jewish people out. He is going to stop them from offering them their sacrifices. And the Bible says that many of them will flee to the mountains of Petra. They will immediately know that they have been deceived. He will declare himself to be God and deceive the world. He is going to demand that all of the world worship him as well. Now I want you to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And this scripture is talking about the Holy Spirit. I've given you some scriptures just a moment ago that is reflective upon the Antichrist. Now I'm going to give you the scripture that's reflective upon the Holy Spirit. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he, the Holy Spirit, who now letteth, will let until he, the Holy Spirit, be taken out of the way. Now, without question, the restraining power in the world today is none other than the Holy Spirit. If we think the world is bad now, as I have said previously, try to imagine what a world is going to be like without the presence of the Holy Spirit when the restrainer is taken out of the way. Okay, now look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10 once again. This is about those who are left behind. Now the Antichrist, as he sets himself up as God, all the Jewish people are forced into the wilderness. Look what's going to happen. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish... Look at this very carefully. Here's the answer, part of the answer right here. Because they received not, underline those two words, 
received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Notice that. So this is saying this, that the people left behind after the rapture, they made a conscious decision to live in the pleasures of unrighteousness. They were saying this, I have decided that I'm going to reject Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God, the Savior of the world. I'm going to reject his only way, the plan of salvation. Now, because they made that decision, again, the word says in verse 10 here, they received not the love of the truth. They made a decision not to receive the truth and not to be saved. And so they put themselves in a position now to be deceived by the Antichrist as he presents himself to be the only hope of the world, as he presents himself to be the peacemaker and the Messiah. Look very carefully at this passage. They received not the love of truth. Now, what is the truth? Think about that with me just for a moment. Because the Bible says, because they received not the love of the truth, there are severe, irreversible consequences of that. Now, the truth, of course, is the gospel. The truth is Jesus. Jesus said himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. The gospel is the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a person must understand the gospel in order to be saved. They have to receive the gospel to be saved. Anyone who wants to be saved must first realize that they are a sinner. So I want you to think with me now. I want to take just a few seconds to give you a few scriptures that greatly emphasize how a person does that, how a person becomes saved. In Romans 3.23, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what a person has to realize and come to the full spectrum of understanding with this. We have to realize that we were born, we were shapened in iniquity. We were born in sin. We did not become sinners, evolve into sinners. We were born sinners for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. A person who wants to be saved must understand that. Secondly, a person must understand the consequences of sin. Because of sin, what happens to me as a person, as an individual? Romans 6.23 establishes that. For the wages of sin is death. That's talking about eternal separation, not only a physical death, but spiritual death and eternal separation from God. But the gift of God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The third thing that a person has to understand is this that Jesus Christ died on the cross because of our sin, because we are sinners. And he offers atonement and salvation to anyone who would receive it. In Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, but God commended his love towards us. Look at this. In that while we were yet sinners, not worthy, not lovely, not wonderful people, not trying to walk the path of right, listen carefully, in that while we were yet sinners, while we were lost on our way to hell, God sent Jesus to change all of that by sending him to this earth. He allowed him to die on the cross for our sins, making the atonement for us through the shedding of his blood and his resurrection. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Number four, if we confess our sins, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess and repent of our sin, the word says we can be saved. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 13, the word says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is how a person is saved. So the Bible is describing a group of people that has been left behind. They had heard, they received not the truth. And the people that are left behind and who receive not the truth are people who had heard the gospel in this present day of grace, who had the opportunity to receive it, but they chose not to receive it. They chose not to believe it with a clear conscience about it. Number four, quickly, as a result of not believing and not receiving the gospel of grace, not receiving the truth, as a consequence, it's irreversible. That cannot be undone. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, and for this cause, when a person hears the truth, and they decide to reject the truth. They reject that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only begotten son of God that, that his atonement pays for the sin of the world. When they reject that, when they reject God's plan of salvation now, because of that, look at the scripture. And for this cause, because of that, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Pay very close attention here because when a person turns from the truth, they are wide open to a lie. Can somebody say amen? You know what I'm talking about? Let me have a witness here. Now, how will the Antichrist be able to deceive the world? I'm talking about the entire planet. Think about this. When the Lord Jesus returns, there's going to be global chaos and pandemonium. And I assure you that nothing of its kind has ever been experienced on this planet before. Think about all the amber alerts that will be going off at the same time all over the world. Think about all the families who are going to be running into the streets of their communities looking for relatives and family members. Think about all the derailments and all of the crashes and all of the explosions going on simultaneously all over the world. Think about the millions upon millions of 911 calls that are going out. And it's in this time of utter chaos that the Antichrist will make his appearance. And when he does that, he is going to have a big lie with him. He is going to come in as a peacemaker. He is going to have an explanation to the world as to what just happened. Somebody might say, well, preacher, this world has a lot of smart people in it and there are going to be some people who are just too smart to believe 
that the Antichrist is the Messiah. Well, the truth of the matter is, this will be the most gullible time and vulnerable time in the history of mankind. It's amazing what people believe even under normal circumstances. I, I was reading and refreshing myself with a story that was very true. Back in 1997, out in California, there was a man by the name of Marshall Applewhite, and he had convinced 30 people that a spaceship was waiting for them behind the Hale-Bob comet. And so he talked all 30 of those individuals into committing suicide in order that they might join him to a higher level of enlightenment. I don't have time to give you many other illustrations and examples of that today, but don't think for one minute that millions of people will not be deceived by the Antichrist. Millions upon millions will be. When you reject the truth, you are wide open to a lie. Now you have to notice something else that is quite clear here. And this is the most amazing and startling truth about it. And, and I want you to look very carefully with me because the Bible does not say the Antichrist will send them strong delusion. He's coming in with a lie. He knows it's a lie. So the Antichrist, the son of perdition, the lawless one, he's coming in with a great lie. But I want you to understand something. The Bible does not say that the Antichrist is the one who was going to send these people the delusion or that the Antichrist will create a way for the inability of these millions upon millions of people to know the truth. In fact, the Bible does not say that the devil will send them strong delusion or demon look at this very carefully second thessalonians chapter 2 verse number 11 let me give you the information again real quickly here because they rejected the truth they rejected jesus christ to be the savior the only begotten son of god the messiah because they rejected the plan of salvation because of that and for this cause god Look at it. Shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, folks, don't get your commentaries out and try to find another explanation for that because it's clear as day. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, why would God do that? Well, because they rejected their opportunity before the rapture, they rejected their opportunity to be saved. They said no one too many times. Do you know somebody that you've ever witnessed to and they said, not today, not today? You've witnessed to them again some other time. They said, not today, not today. How many times have you witnessed to an individual where they repetitiously said, no, not today. Think about that just for a moment. Now, why will God allow them to believe this lie? Because they said no one too many times. They rejected the gospel. And there comes a point in time, and you need to know this, when God does, the scripture does say that God gives people up. Somebody might say, well, I don't think I will do that. 
I'm assuring you that he will. He has and he will. I want you to see this in Isaiah chapter 66, verse number four. Isaiah 66, verse number four. I also will choose their delusions. Look at this. And will bring their fears upon them because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. There's an old song we sing from time to time. It's entitled, Jesus is Tenderly Calling Today. And the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. You have an opportunity right now to come to know Jesus as your personal savior. And the Holy Spirit may have been speaking to you in many sermons gone by, many days gone by, many years gone by. And you said, not today, not today, not today. Listen, you are sending away your day of grace. Right now you have an opportunity to be saved. This is the day of salvation. But many times we read when God just simply gave people up. He gave them what they really wanted. Let me show you a principle in the gospel of John. In John chapter 12, and you'll have to turn quickly with me now. John chapter 12, verse 37, I want to read through verse number 40. But though he had done so many miracles before them, look at this, yet they believed not on him. They saw the miracles. And the scripture said they still wouldn't believe that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because that Isaiah said again, he had blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. Now, let me say again, when a person rejects the truth, they become candidates to believe a lie. Go back with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. Because they rejected the gospel of truth, perhaps over and over and over again, or perhaps somebody said, no, at the only opportunity they had. Look at this. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So understand this, when the Lord comes, when the rapture takes place in the twinkling of an eye, listen carefully, some will be taken, those who have been saved, those who have received the truth will be taken out of this world and some will be left behind, those who did not receive the truth, those who rejected the truth, those, listen very carefully now, who said no, perhaps one too many times. Those who rejected the truth, people who rejected it, not only rejected it, but listen, they, according to the scripture, with their hearts and their minds, they sank into utter abyss. This is something that staggers my imagination, and I want you to listen very carefully because this is hard to believe. We're talking about, is there second chances? Is God going to give somebody a second chance to be saved after the rapture when they're left behind? You just read it like I read it. Positively, absolutely not. If they rejected the truth, they said no to the gospel. God's going to 
do something within their mind and heart that keeps them from hearing the truth, which they are going to believe the lie of the Antichrist and there's no hope of them turning around. And these scriptures that I'm going to give right here really staggers my imagination, but it's a word of God and I believe it. In Revelation chapter 11, verse number three, I want to quickly read for you verses three through 10. Look at this. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. You know what's going to happen. During this time of tribulation, God's going to send two witnesses to this earth to preach, primarily to the house of Israel. And from their preaching, people who have never heard a clear presentation in the gospel, at first there's going to be 144,000. I'll get to that in just a minute. By the way, the Jehovah Witness believe that only 144,000 people are going to heaven. That's heresy. Don't believe it. They take the scripture all out of context. But follow along with me. Revelation 11, beginning in verse 3, and I will give power to my two witnesses. I believe I gave you last week uh, reasons why I believe this. Now, you can believe something else. I'm, I'm with you. You do, you feel, whatever you believe, that's fine. Look here. I believe it's Moses and Elijah. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. They shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothes and sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man, any man hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. You, you get the idea? This is, this is literal fire here. It's not just a sharp, harsh word. The word of God says, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. All right? This is why I believe it's Moses and Elijah. Let me quickly read these verses again. They have power to shut up heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over the waters to turn to blood and to smite the earth with all the plagues as often as they will. That describes Moses and Elijah perfectly. And verse 7, and when they have finished their testimony, look carefully here, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually, is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth, this is not Christians, this is unbelievers. I've already dealt with that this morning. They that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry, look at this, and shall send gifts. Stay with me. Follow this very carefully. This answers your question. Because, look at this, and shall send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. Now, at the end of the ministry of the two witnesses, they are going to be killed. God says, my season, my hedge of protection for them is over. Now things must move to another level. They have completed their task. From their preaching, 144,000 Jews from the 12 tribes of Judah will be saved. So the Jehovah's Witness has it all wrong to begin with. But these are Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel. But while these bodies are dead in the street, now here's what them that dwell on the earth do. 
Here's what people who are left behind do. The Bible says they begin to have a global party and they are celebrating the death of God's two preachers. They are giving each other gifts. This is being televised all over the world. People are seeing the two witnesses dead in the street for three and a half days and they're partying. They're exchanging gifts. Now, let me ask you the question, does that honestly sound like for one minute that people want a second chance? You think about that. Do you honestly believe for one minute that people who are dancing over the bodies, the dead bodies of God's two witnesses and giving each other presents, does that sound like somebody that even remotely wants a second chance? Because here's what's going to happen. God will take the very desire of a second chance from their heart. For this cause, God will send them great delusion. God will take the very essence of desire for a second chance out of their heart and out of their reach. And it's going to be a terrible thing to be left behind. They will be totally abandoned by God. And God does give some people up, by the way. He does. I don't have time to read all of these scriptures for you this morning, but I've listed them for you in the bulletin, and you can go back and read them again at another time. Romans 124, Romans 126, Romans 128, and Genesis 6-3. It's a terrible thing when God gives people up, but he has done it, and he will do it. So I beg you this morning not to be sending away your day of grace. Now, here's what's going to happen. For anybody that said no, they did not receive the gospel of truth. They rejected God, his holy word, his only plan of salvation, his only begotten son. They said no. For that cause, God will send them strong delusion and that they would believe a lie. He is going to take away the very essence of desire to look at it another way, to receive the Lord, to have a second chance. However, let me be very clear on this. From the preaching of these two witnesses, 144,000 will be saved, which will become priests. And from the preaching of the 144,000, Millions will be saved who have never once heard a clear presentation of the gospel. You have to understand this. But the bottom line right now comes down to this, and I want our musicians to come forward. There's absolutely no one that's ever walked in the doors of Buford Road Baptist Church who has ever gone home without hearing a clear presentation of the gospel. There's no one watching by Facebook or watching by internet that qualifies for a second chance. You have been exposed to the truth. You have heard the gospel. You know that Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the only begotten son of God. Only he can save our souls. You have heard the truth. You have two choices to receive it, believe it, or say, no, I reject it. If you receive it, when the trumpet sounds, you're going to be taken out of this earth in the twinkling of an eye. You're going to be raptured in the end. If you say no, you're going to be left behind. 
and you will not have a second chance to be saved. You will go through the seven years of tribulation. You will face the great white throne and you will spend eternity forever in the lake of fire. And the only thing that can change that is by you giving your heart to Christ. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.